Hi, everyone. Welcome to this very special episode of the Motherkind podcast recorded live on stage at the Baby Show with Lidl GB. My guest is Lydia Bright. You might know Lydia from her reality TV show days. You also might know her from the incredible work she does advocating for and supporting the foster care community. I loved being on stage with Lydia and being at the Baby Show with Lidl GB. The atmosphere was brilliant. And I hope listening to this, you feel like you were there too. Here it is. I'm delighted to introduce this week's podcast sponsor, Barefoot Footwear Company, Vivo Barefoot. Did you know that 90% of kids are wearing shoes that are too small, which prevents their normal natural growth? And Vivo Barefoot shoes keep feet as barefoot as possible because that is the best way to ensure feet stay naturally strong and healthy. They actually increase foot strength and stability by up to 60%. I have known about them for years because my husband Guy is a big fan, but now I'm super excited because they've just launched their first ever walker for toddlers and preschoolers. The shoe is called Pluma, meaning feather, and it's lightweight, flexible, and so soft and snug that actually socks aren't needed. So it's the perfect transition from barefoot to footwear. Now, Vivo Barefoot are offering Motherkind podcast listeners a 10% discount. So use the code MotherkindVB on their website to take advantage of this fantastic offer. That is Vivo Barefoot website and use the code MotherkindVB. Lovely to see you both. Lovely to be Welcome back. Welcome back to you, Zoe. Thank you. Because so nice to be back. Yeah, you came and did a lovely podcast for us before. Take a seat, get Thank comfy. You. Sorry, and I just sat down. I was like, I'm going to make myself at home. <laughs> and Lydia and I met, well, online. Yes. We don't know if any of you uh, tuned in in the lockdown when we did the baby show online. We had a lovely chat. And I think Loretta was just born. Uh, right, yeah, because she was born two weeks before we went into lockdown. So she probably yes. was like three, three, four you weeks. Were, yeah, you were in the very early haze of I it. was in the bubble. You the were. The newborn bubble. And it must have been quite unusual, actually. You know, you had her in the lockdown. I yeah. must have been a very... Was it isolating? I mean, I was very lucky that I actually ended up locking down with my family because when it got announced that we were in lockdown, I was actually at their house because my house was still being renovated so I was very lucky that we all kind of raised Loretta together when she was really really young which was brilliant because obviously we know it's hard and all of them chipped in so it was amazing yeah, you had you did had have a village. village you had your village I had a village <laughs> so I'm gonna let you guys continue with your podcast now you've had some amazing guests in the past how many downloads have you had now it's millions isn't it Four million? Four million. I mean, you've got to get involved, guys, because it's go back through all, all your previous guests because you've had some amazing guests on your podcast. And I'm looking forward to this one. So over to you guys. Thank you. Well, welcome, everyone. We are recording this live. So we'll also put this out on Motherkind next week. So, Lydia, baby show, seeing lots of these gorgeous bumps. Yes. To make you think about when you were pregnant. Yes, I actually came to the baby show when I was pregnant many moons ago, me and my friend Lucy, who were pregnant together, and we loved it. It was amazing. I don't know if they've got it this year, but there was like a um, pram test trial. It's here. It's, it's over there, here. isn't it? 
Yeah. Oh my it's gosh, we thing. loved that. Yeah. So we were going around like testing out all our prams, like writing down notes. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. So it's nice to be back. I haven't got a bump this time. No, it makes me sort of feel a bit broody. What was your pregnancy like? Do you have a good pregnancy? So my pregnancy, it was fine in the sense that I didn't really get that much. Like I did get a bit of morning sickness at the beginning, which I think... 80% of us get. I kind of felt like that first trimester, it was almost like I just had like a consistent hangover. It wasn't sickness, but I just always felt like I was a bit hazy and just not like... Yeah, yeah. Not lots hundred... of nods as well. Yeah, yes. yeah. it was like, like a constant just... hangover. It was and you constant... haven't even been drinking. Well, not, And then I not, didn't get the benefit well. of getting drunk the night before. So I had that, yeah, like sort of haziness. Second trimester and third trimester was absolutely fine in terms of like my physical health. But I was a little bit of an emotional wreck when I was pregnant because me and my daughter's father split so emotionally I probably wasn't in the best headspace but physically like I was fine how did you handle that it's such a massive time of transition yes being pregnant thinking about becoming a mum then to have that curveball yes how did you handle it I don't think I handled it very well (laughs) no do you know what I was just very very emotional but I just think it's You just have to adapt and that's life, isn't it? Life throws you curveballs sometimes. And I think I just threw myself into different things. You know, I was renovating my house. And also as well, I was just trying to prepare myself for the new arrival of my baby and just trying to do anything that would get me excited for that. You know, I was very lucky that my best friend was pregnant at the same time. So like a lot of couples do baby moons together, me and her did a baby moon together. And yeah, I just think you just have to... You just have to realise that life isn't perfect, really. And I think, you know, as soon as I had Loretta, it was like all the sadness and emotions just completely went because having a baby is the best thing that can ever happen to you. And after you do have your child, nothing else really matters. It's true. No offence to the dads that are there, but (laughs) you don't really care about them, do you? Things are about to change. (laughs) (laughs) And so looking back at that, you know, when you had that curveball, because there'll be people here, there'll be people listening, you know, pregnancy doesn't stop life happening. Yes. What would you go back and say to your pregnant self, knowing now what you've lived through and Loretta's nearly four? Yeah. I would probably just say to myself not to stress and worry too much because I think I was just so emotional and just so, like, concerned. I mean, I'm in a slightly different situation. I was just really concerned about people's judgments the whole time. And I think then when you have a child, I think when you become a mother, you actually just don't care what other people think about you. Oh, my God. It's the best. It's like this button gets pushed where you give way less of a shit, right? 100%. So good. I think that that's, like, something that comes with age as well. Like, I was in my 20s when I was pregnant. And I think when you become a mother and when you age, you just become a lot more confident in your choices and yourself. I think when you become a mother, you just grow into your own identity and you're just very confident with who you are. It's really true. Tell me about the birth. Yes, I had a magical birth. I think God was looking down at me and saying, you know, you've had your fair share of rubbish through this pregnancy. I'm going to give you a really good birth. And it was just beautiful. So I actually gave birth in like the birthing unit that's attached to the hospital. I really wanted a water birth. So it was like the birthing centre. So there was birthing pools, that's the word. 
and I practiced hypnobirthing. Me um, too. We yeah, need to do a big shout out for hypnobirthing. Definitely. I would massively recommend that to anybody that is pregnant, which is a lot of years. I found hypnobirthing really insightful. I think it really prepared me and I think where my pregnancy I was out of control with a lot of things I felt like that that was something that I could have control of like you know it doesn't work for everyone and some people it's kind of taken out of their hands isn't it but I think my mindset was very prepared for my birthing journey and I think I was very strong in my head that I think then it kind of led on very well I think I don't know what you think about this I think the problem with hypnobirthing <clears throat> is the name of it yes. because for me it's like birthing education is what I got when I did hypnobirthing yes. I didn't know there was an upstage of labor and a downstage of labor and that I could do different things to my body to make that be easier I don't know any of that yeah and that's all what I learned through hypnobirthing how did you Definitely. use some of the tools tell us um, your faves so a massive thing that was a tool that was given to me was the visualization so when you're in labor you know she was talking about hitting your peak and then coming down so I kind of kept having these visualizations of waves and I was like you know the waves going to get really strong and I'm going to hit to the peak and then the waves going to come down and I think where I was in water as well it was very easy for me to kind of like breathe into it and picture that and I just found that very very useful because I kept knowing like I'm going to peak and then it's going to come down so that was something that I kept doing in my head and just the breathing techniques like I was very conscious not to like scream and make too many noises because of that obviously kills the energy like you've got to preserve that energy so it was all about kind of like breathing into it and not wasting my energy making loads of noises that was something else that I took on and what was it like the moment you first so yeah so she we, came out in the water it was very very quick me my mum had very quick labors and I think as well that's a big thing isn't it genetically yeah so um I think the hypnobirthing worked very well for me but I do think that I'm just one of them people that's going to be quite lucky in their labors because my mum always had very quick labors so I remember and this is going to sound really naughty I was renovating my house I was with my dad and we were like moving a sofa and I went to my dad you were moving a sofa yes I know it's really naughty and I went to my dad oh I think I've wet myself and my dad went Do you, I was early as well and you know everyone goes oh your first baby you're going to go over I was like, oh, I think I need to sit down. And my dad was like, you all right? And I was just like, I don't know, Dad. I'm not too sure. And he went, come on, get in my van. So we got in his van and he drove me back to my parents' house. And my mum went, you could be in labour. And I said, no, I think it might be Braxton Hicks because I haven't had them yet. I had a private midwife, so I thought, you know what, I'll just check with her. So I called her up and I just said, oh, um... I think it's only Braxton Hicks, but would you mind just coming over and checking? So she came over, she measured me and she went, you're five centimetres, we need to get you to hospital. What? Yes. Took me about two days to get to five centimetres. crazy. I remember my sister who's sitting at the front. <laughs> I remember this is, I wasn't even in that much pain. This is why I was shocked. For me, like labour wasn't actually that painful. It was sort of just like having period cramps. And I remember saying to my sister, right, 
We need to get in the bath. I need to be shaved everywhere. I'm not going into labour unless I'm shaved. And my sister was like, I don't think that this is the most important thing right now. And I was like, no. Wise advice, sister. Yes. I was just like, if I'm going into labour, I need to look nice. So my sister was in the bath shaving me. I've got out the bath. Then I've like tried to put on this tight dress. Do you remember, George? I was like, tried to put on this like tight bodycon dress. And my mum was like, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're going to give birth. Like, why do you care about what you look like? My mum whipped this like bodycon dress off me and then put on like her massive flannelette, really unattractive dressing gown. We whizzed to the hospital, called my daughter's dad. He met us there. Then they measured me and like did all the tests and everything. You know, then they come around and they test you, I think every hour, is it? I was saying to my mum, like, I don't know why, but I'm getting like a feeling that I think it's going to happen soon. So my mum like run out and she was just like, look, if she's anything like me, she's going to be giving birth very, very quickly. So you need to come and measure her again. They measured me and they were like, right, that's it. Get you in the water. And then, yeah, so I think I must have been like active labour at 7pm and Loretta was born at 11pm. Oh my God, that's incredible. Yeah. I think we need to hear more positive, positive birth stories. Exactly. Because I think it's, what is it when people are pregnant? If you guys had this, people love telling their horror stories. I'm yeah. like... This is not okay. Absolutely yeah. not. We want to hear positive stories. Yeah. I used look, to say when someone said to me when I was pregnant, I'd say, I want to hear your story, but let me have my experience. And then when I've done it, then we can chat about it. Because I just didn't want all the... For sure. All the fear in me. And I think that's why hypnobirthing is very good as well, because it almost makes you excited for the birth because it's explained in such a positive way. And look, there are women that really go for a tough time in labour, of course, but yeah, I do think it's important if you do have a positive story to share that as well, because people can have really good labours and, yeah. and mine was lovely. Well, thank you for sharing that That's with everyone. Okay. And I think Even the shaving all... part. Yeah, exactly. Thank <laughs> you for sharing that <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so tell us what it was like when you got her home, because obviously you had no idea that we were about to go into lockdown. Yes. Were you inundated with visitors like most yes. of us are yes and that is one thing that one piece of advice I would give to any new mother for me it was quite tough because where I wasn't living in my own home I couldn't exactly tell my mum what she could do in her own home but my mum was so excited it was her first grandchild and I mean she's such a socialite anyway she's got like a very open door policy for her house and Oh my gosh, I had so many people. I remember my first midwifery visit. She came into the bedroom and she was like, uh, there shouldn't be 11 people in this bedroom. 11 people? I had so many people. Oh I had all my friends. I had all my family. I had all my daughter's father's family. There were just so many people in the house constantly. And I found that very stressful. Because you're trying to learn, if you're going to do breastfeeding, you're trying to learn to feed and it's hard. Like yeah. I think that isn't spoken about enough. It can be really hard to get the latch and the angle in. If there are people yeah. watching, but also want to be there well, with your boots out a bit. Yeah, and also around. as well, like although we weren't in lockdown, COVID was being spoken about. So I was so nervous. And then like all these people were coming in like wanting to touch my child. And like kissing her, I was like, don't kiss her. I just found it very, very intense having that many people. And I think if I could do it again, or when I do it again, I'm creating my own lockdown. If people try to come in my house, I'm saying, I'm sorry, I'm in lockdown. 100%. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. My friend Steph, she talks about pulling up the drawbridge. She's like, just pull up the drawbridge. Yeah. No one's allowed in. It is such a little time when 
you know, your body's in pain. It's the equivalent. It's a huge trauma that your body goes through in birth and you're trying to get feeding right and you're exhausted. Just don't want And you also just want to, like, bond and enjoy your baby. Like, that's your time to really kind of, like, create that, like, magical, like, newborn bond. And it's like, you don't need to share that with everybody else. That's your little thing to have. I did as well. When I let visitors come, I said... I don't want visitors, I want helpers. Yeah. So everyone had to bring lunch, or which sounds a bit, but it's mad how much time looking after a baby that sleeps all day takes. Yeah. Yeah. And I just couldn't get around to making lunch or dinner. So everyone bought something to help me. And that was amazing. That is lovely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy is just an incredible, safe, non-judgmental space. I absolutely love it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule, which I think as busy mums is what we all need. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash motherkind today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash motherkind really good yeah I don't even think I'll be nice enough to say that next time I'll just say sorry shop shop Lydia's locked down yeah I'm turning off my phone we'll have to get you a sign a neon sign for the door I turned off my phone at the beginning because everyone was just messaging me like oh how's the baby how's the baby I'm just like oh leave me alone I just really just wanted to be left alone like so I mean maybe that's me but tell us about feeding feeding right so I really wanted to breastfeed especially, you know, being my first child and just think, you know, it's drummed into us. Obviously, it is the best, which it is. So, yeah, I was really adamant that I wanted to breastfeed Loretta, which I did do exclusively until she was six weeks old. Between six and eight weeks, I was doing combination breast and formula. And by eight weeks, she was on formula exclusively. And I really struggled with that because I put enormous pressure on myself to breastfeed, which, you know, we all know that it is the best thing to give your child. But I also do think that you have to take into consideration other elements. So I was absolutely exhausted like not sleeping, like got to six weeks, I wasn't sleeping, you know, up every two hours. I also was putting the pump on me constantly and just like knackered I had like milk fever and it kind of got to a point where I was like well actually my mum said to me you know whilst giving your child the milk that you've created you know that is the best thing is amazing and you went it's no good if then you can't stimulate her in the day because you're so exhausted and you're not like getting the joy you're not talking to her you're not engaging with her so you have to actually consider that as well that's why I introduced well, my mum introduced formula. Um, you say your mum? Yes. Yeah, so actually there was one night, so it got to six weeks and like I hadn't had like a full night's sleep. And the thing is, well, I'm a really bad sleeper anyway. So although she was up every two hours, it weren't like I was going back to sleep. And it takes me really long time to drift off. So really I was having like an hour and then I was up again. 
And you know what it's like when you don't sleep, like your mind just plays tricks on you. So my mum was like, you know, hand her over. Like my mum's been a foster carer my whole life. So she's had many babies. So she was like, you know, hand her over. Let me do a night feed. So I like pumped all this breast milk for her. Went to sleep, had my lovely eight hours. And when I woke up in the... Actually, I think I had probably about 12 hours. And when I woke up in the morning, my mum was like... Well, it wasn't enough milk, so I did give her some formula just because she was screaming I didn't want to wake you up. And I was like, <gasps> poison. Like, I was so upset. And she was like, you know, she was hungry. And you know, and I think then I kind of came round to the idea that, you know, it wasn't the end of the world. So that's kind of how it got introduced. And I think, you know, next time I would like to breastfeed for you know maybe a little bit longer but then equally if it becomes too hard and I have to formula feed then I will as well I was brought up a formula fed baby and I mean I haven't got three eyes so <laughs> that's it it's yeah. like it's, it becomes this I don't know if you guys have experienced this if you've had babies already it becomes this huge tunnel vision I had exactly the same thing yeah. it, it nearly broke me the pressure that I put on myself to sure. do it actually and, and the second time around I did combination from the start and it was joyful. Yeah. I, look, I think if you can do it, you can do it. But like we said with like labour, like some people have really good labours, some people don't. Some people really struggle with breastfeeding, some people don't. You know, like I'm not really got a lot there anyway. So it was like, for me, was, I was like, you can only get so much milk into a small bag. Like there's only so much that's going to get in there. My child came out, she was starving and they, like, they were like, you know, keep pumping, the milk will come through. And it was just, I really put pressure on myself, but it just wasn't happening as easily as I wanted it to happen. So I just think you have to just do what's right for you. There's, I've got some friends that breastfed till their children were a year and they absolutely loved it and the whole thing was magical. But for me, that just wasn't yeah, me the neither. way that it went. Me neither. And it's, not it's, the end of the it's world. such a skill, isn't it, to take the pressure off and just to take whatever comes our yeah. way and just to roll with it as opposed to having this set idea yeah. of how it's going to be. Definitely. Are you the type of mum you thought you'd be? I don't know. I don't even know what I thought what mum I would be, to be honest. I think because I've had so much experience with children, I think that I thought that I knew everything. So I was like, oh, you know, this is going to be a breeze for me because I've looked after children since I was so, so young. And, you know, it definitely comes with more challenges than I thought it did. But yeah, I think that I am the mum that I thought I would be. I mean, my family sometimes say that I'm really soft and they thought that I would be maybe a little bit stricter. I'm quite a soft parent. Yeah, I didn't really have any thoughts about what I would be like as a mum, really. It's funny, I did it? always want to be a mum, though. Did you? Was oh, that because you grew up with all these foster siblings? Yeah, I just remember from, like, really young age, like, I wanted to be, like, a mum from when I was, like, 16. Like, I just always wanted to be a mum, and I always thought that I'd be, like, a really young mum. I actually had Loretta when I was 28, I think, which is still fairly young, but I think... I always thought that I would have children like early 20s because it was just always like my biggest goal in life to have children. What's it like growing up having foster children and having yeah. foster siblings? I mean, for me, it's like that was my normal because when my parents started when I was like a year, for me, it was just totally natural to have like this huge family you know, there was always people in and out of our house. It was very like chaotic. But for us, that was like completely normal. Obviously, I know that it wasn't like the normal like 2.5 families because, yeah, so my parents got four biological children, two adopted, and then they also have foster children on top of that. 
So yeah, it was like crazy, but it was magical. I always say it was like a very, very like magical upbringing. And yeah, I'm just super proud of my parents, really. Such an incredible thing to do. What are some of the values that you've got from your family that you're really trying to pass on and instill in Loretta and, and who yeah. you are? I think we all had to become very independent from a very young age because there were so many of us. I mean, my mum couldn't clean all our bedrooms and do like clean all our shoes and things like that. We had to do all of those things because she couldn't handle taking on all the children so I think that that was something like a big part of our childhood that like we all had to muck in and we weren't allowed to be lazy like oh my gosh my mother you like tried to have a, a lie-in till like as teenagers at like 10 o'clock and my mum would come in she'd open all the windows the hoover would be out she'd be like up oh, come on productivity she was like very much enforced that on all her children to be doing things the whole time and you know working hard and looking after ourselves and I think that that's something that I really tried to instill in Loretta as well so like even now like she's three and a half she does chores she wakes up in the morning we've got like a little list I write five chores and then she gets her pocket money for doing the chores that's something that I want to instill on Loretta because my mum was like there's no way I'm having any lazy children I think other things that maybe that she installed on us is just like the art of giving back as well. Like she was always very much like, you know, in your lifetime, you always have to be conscious that you have to do good and you have to give back. That's something that I try to do, you know, wherever I can raise awareness for fostering. You know, I work a lot for Bernardo's. I'm an ambassador for Bernardo's. I do a lot with the Department for Education, which is like the government side of fostering about raising awareness. And that's something, not so much now, because she's only three and a half, but something that like, you know, I really want to instill on Loretta. You know, she's been very lucky in life, as was I. I was born to an amazing mum, an amazing dad. And, you know, I had like a lovely childhood, but that isn't the case for everyone. So it's, you know, making her aware of that from a young age and teaching her that like, you know, it's important in life to give back. And you do a lot for the single mum community as well, don't you? I do. Yeah. I tried to fly the flag. You do an incredible, <laughs> you do an incredible job. And... You've actually written a book. I have, yes, which is very exciting, which will be published February 2024. It's something that I actually started working on when I was pregnant. I think where I was a little bit lost when I was pregnant, I just like, I just spend so long on the internet, like looking for like advice and things that would just like empower me as like a single mum to be. I found out like all this information about like, different family setups and stuff and you know I've ordered loads of children's books for my daughter like single family children's books and then I just kind of felt like there was like something missing something that was like a magical sort of story about like a single parent family but not like super informative because I found like everything that was out there was just like this is Sophie she lives with her mum it was just I just felt like it wasn't very dry maybe exactly you're gonna bring some color to it yeah, so I just kind of, it kind of worked a little bit like therapy for me, I think, when I was pregnant, just just like throw myself into this project and like it could kind of be like a gift to my future child. Mm. I was working on it for many years and COVID happened and all the publishing industry closed down and I just nearly gave up on it. And then eventually I was very lucky. I had a meeting with Penguin and Puffin and they agreed to take the book and we signed a contract and 
yeah, it's been a magical journey finding that the illustrator and working on it with the team and it went to print this week. So that's very, <gasps> very, very exciting. Yeah. So everyone look out for that next year. Yes, not and until next year. Next yeah, year, come. February next year. And on the podcast, I have asked this question, think about 415 times now. Yes. And I can't wait to hear your answer. Yes. Which is if you could give one gift yes. to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why? I would give all mothers in the world one hour of time that's completely frozen. So it's almost like you put your hand on a clock and just stop it for an hour. But that hour is purely for yourself. So no doing the dishwasher, you know, no running around like a headless chicken preparing your food. It's just for you just to sit down and just have some self-care, whether that's, you know, sitting and watching TV for an hour, having a bath, even like just going on your phone and scrolling through Instagram because of, you know, it's very rare that we actually get an hour free and we don't do anything with it because even if like Loretta's at school and I think, oh my gosh, I'm actually wrapped with work now. I'll never sit down. I think right, I'm going to go and rearrange the kitchen cupboards. You've got your mum's voice telling you not to be lazy. That's the problem. That's Debbie. Maybe she instilled that. But yeah, I think just like an hour to yourself every single day, just to do whatever you want, but it has to be just for you. Gorgeous. Thank you so much. Everyone put your hands together for Lydia Bright. Thank you. That was very nice. (laughs) Do we... Thank you very much, ladies. I really enjoyed that. Do we have any questions at all? Anything you'd like to ask Lydia? Anyone out there? thinking, oh, I'd love to ask. I bet they'll ask you privately as you're walking along, maybe. I was wondering if you think we're a little bit overwhelmed at the moment as new mums. There's a lot of information, isn't there? Because of Instagram, social media. Do you think it's a bit overwhelming? But even in the last three years, do you think it's got better or worse? Yeah, I do think so. I think especially when I was a mum, I think it's overwhelming about how many gadgets, gizmos, products are out there, knowing what to get. That was something that I felt quite overwhelmed. I was like, do I need this? And I think maybe that's why I think days like this are really, really great because you can actually go have a feel for things, go and talk to the stands. That was something that I do think, yeah, that I definitely found overwhelming how much to get. I will also say that if you haven't got it, when you do have the baby, although you are tired, they do sleep for a lot of the time. So if you haven't got it, you know, there's Amazon Prime these days. Yeah. You can just, <laughs> yeah. you don't need to do everything yeah. before the baby's born. Did you find you were buying things and you were thinking, why did I buy, you know, yeah. did you find that you got things, you thought, I need this and I need this, but actually when it came to it, you could 100%. Done. I think that when I was pregnant as well, you know, like you had the whole like nesting thing. I was like nesting on steroids. Like, I mean, I renovated my whole house. I did an extension. I ripped out basically the whole kitchen. I was like extreme nesting. And I was like, I've got to get the nursery ready and get the house ready and do all these things before the baby arrives and put enormous pressure on myself to do that all. And then actually when the baby comes, all you want to do is be at home. Yeah. So... All of those little things. And the you baby's can do. not fussed what colour the walls are. Exactly. And if you've got a new carpet. But it's weird as we want it all just so, don't we? Yeah. Want everything to be all just right, but we need to take yeah. that pressure off, right? Exactly. You can do that when the baby comes. You can roll up the baby grows and wash it all out if you want to. And, you know, do all of that when the baby comes. It's not the end of the world if you don't have that all organised yes. before. Yeah. Anyone <laughs> else like to ask a question or to either of our ladies? 
I know sometimes Zoe it gets well. nervous, doesn't it? Asking I know. Questions. Maybe they'll catch you, you on, can on the ask way me. through. Yes, yeah, you can catch you on the way that. through. But best of luck with the book. That's exciting. Thank you. Yeah, best of luck for that. So that's next February. Is that it? will come out next February. Yeah, Lovely. yeah. It's okay. a very long process, but it's been an amazing. It'll be worth journey. it though. It'll yeah, be worth for sure. it. And make sure you, if you are not listening to Motherkind, you need to be listening to. Thank you. You've got an amazing catalogue of, of guests on there. So a big thank you and round of applause, please, for Zoe and Lydia. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. So that was the episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it. As ever, if you did, please consider sharing it with your friends and leaving me a review on iTunes. It really does make a difference to the number of mums that we can reach with the brilliant wisdom of the guests I have on.